I am super excited to have you back for another episode of Red Receipt. It's a deep dive into the how and why of the brands we love and the creatives behind them. From blueprints to launch day, customers as community, and the detours in between. Big lessons and easy listening. Red Receipt is hosted by Antidote, the email and SMS marketing agency by people who hate boring email. Where are you from? From New York. Um, and Graza is in New York. Um, my wife is from Spain, and obviously a big part of Graza is in Spain too, because we manufacture out there. So we spent a good amount of time in Brooklyn and as much time as, as the world lets us in, in Spain. Are you in Spain right now? No, right now in Brooklyn, um, in our office in Williamsburg. We just made our first full-time hire uh, yesterday, marketing coordinator. She, she's awesome. She was a former pastry chef. We like to hire uh, as diverse as we can, I guess, you know, especially people from the culinary world. So, so we got to be here. We got to be here in New York. Uh, what's your background before launching the brand? Um, one of like a lot of luck, I'd say. <laughs> risk, risk rewarded with luck. Um, I, I went to school in upstate New York in Binghamton, uh, studied finance. And Binghamton's funny because like you just don't know when you're 18 what you're getting into, but Binghamton did school like a massive uh, feeder program for the big four accounting firms. And like on day three, as a 17 year old undergrad, all the professors come in and they talk to you about their departments and why you're studying marketing and international business and, and this. And then they save the accounting head for last. And he's like, that's all great. But if you want a job um, <laughs> coming out of college, you have to study accounting. 99% of people do and 1% and don't. Um, so I don't know, me, me, and my, me and one of my best friends uh, in school, we were like, shit, how are we gonna get cool jobs? Uh, you know, what, what can we do to differentiate ourselves? And uh, we graduated early, that was our decision um, to get into New York and just apply at startups. And he got a job at a, hospitality startup that ended up selling to Expedia like seven years later. And I got a job at Warby Parker in retail. Um, and I was just like, shit, shit, man. Like, this is the coolest company. They're the hottest, they're the darling of New York. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to grow here, you know? Um, and yeah, I ended up never cracking the office there, but jumped from there <laughs> to Handy actually, which like ended up 
and then getting acquired by Angie's List and then to Casper. Um, I was at Casper for, for four and a half years. I was, you know, one of the first employees back when it was just eight of us uh, at a bedroom in a studio in, in NoHo selling beds straight out of there. Um, and that was a hell of a ride. Um, How long did you stay there? Did you stay like through the whole rise of it? Yeah, through everything. I mean, four and a half years of, of craziness. Um, That's insane. It was. It was insane. They don't get enough credit for making a, a really quality mattresses more affordable for everybody, even if it's another brand selling it to you. Uh, I feel like they were subject, unfortunately, to a lot of uh, hate and like predatory affiliate marketing just for being so big so fast. Um, and it's definitely a big lesson. Um, and then I spent some time in Europe, uh, just doing a bunch of projects in the food space at IKEA and at like the Red Bull Innovation Lab. Uh, needed a job because I ran out of money. So I uh, got a job at Magic Spoon. Uh, once again, lucky. Uh, first employee there. Um, and great company, amazing growth, but I surely wanted to start an olive oil company for a long time and uh, finally put it all together. What, uh, how'd you get into the innovation lab stuff in Europe? Was that like uh, random projects that you got involved with? Um, I mean, living in Madrid, like as a, expat is so hard like all this like i'm gonna travel and be a digital nomad maybe if you have clients like it's easier but if you're living in the city and you're trying to get a job in a foreign city it's hard like i would just like bop around to uh all of like the tech stars office in madrid uh and the, like the google innovation lab office i'd go to a bunch of events and just like try to meet people and and have them empathize with the situation that I was in. I was trying to hustle, you know? And eventually I got a offer to like be part of this eight week Ikea future of the kitchen design project. Um, because I've, I've been to an Ikea factory in, in Poland back in Casper days. Um, and it just like went from there and I don't know, stuck around, I guess um yeah it was crazy that was like my first spanish foray and i ended up moving back to the states and then i met my wife here who's from spain just out of chance crazy that is so crazy uh when how did how do you feel like you found the uh you know like you say it's luck but finding the startups that end up really like popping before yeah, things wish, take off. I wish I was an angel investor. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's what I thought when you said you went to Europe for a while. I was like, oh, damn. You just cashed no, out no, on Casper and got No. no. <laughs> well, I also worked at Aura Ring in Finland for like, for like six months. I forgot about that part of the journey because I was really broke in, in Europe. So I just like, of anyone I knew that, that had European, you know, I met the founder of Aura in a sauna in the East Village, you know, 
um, and I staged at Gramercy Tavern, uh, which is a Michelin star restaurant, uh, because I met the head chef at like a panel at Columbia University. Like I just, I'm ruthless. Um, I mean, Warby was in, was was easy. Like you felt it, you know, you felt like you felt the Tom's vibe, but uh, with like a New York chic cool before Tom's tried to do that with like opening their retail stores here, you know, like you felt the quality, you felt the mission, you felt it in their leadership. It was kind of obvious, you know, Casper's definitely like meeting the early team also and just seeing that they were going to make like a five person diverse founder group like work like this amazing creative person was going to get creative you know Dave was going to handle tech Philip was going to handle fundraising investor relations Neil was going to handle ops and Jeff was this like guru of products you really had like how did all these people come together you know it's always a people thing um I think it'd be hard if you didn't meet the people to just like take a bet, you know, because at that point, you don't know customers. You don't really know if there's product market fit. I don't know. I always wanted to work in food. That's why I tried to cook. But you make 13 bucks an hour as a line cook without tips, you know, in New York. So it's tough to, to earn a living that way. I mean, I went as far as working at the farmer's market just to like stay involved in food, you know. And now our farmer's market customers are Graza customers. It's the coolest thing. And Casper, you know, friends and ex-employees are Graza customers and, you know, it's crazy. Magic Spoon, some of the agencies that they were using for digital are now partners of ours. It's stressful. Uh, it's risky. Like, you know, I'm not here building a 401k from Bain, but uh, it paid off in its own way. Did, uh, you said you always wanted to start an olive oil company. Did you have the idea for a long time, like while you were working? At all yeah. these spots? Yeah, like in Magic Spoon, I was being annoying and just bringing back different olive oils to sample at the office. And everyone was like, what the hell? What's, what's wrong with you? You know, like it's just olive oil. Um, but, but yeah. What, from, uh, what attracted you about that idea that you, like it stuck with you for that long? Um, like it's objectively, I'm going to say it's objectively good for you. Tasty, beautiful in terms of like the industry and the the agriculture, um, and I did feel like there was a obvious problem with North American olive oil, not like global olive oil so much. Um, and I think it's like every other food brand. I don't know. I don't want to go into. There's a lot of great food brands out there, but. It feels like everyone's trying to win best actor uh, and we're trying to like always win best supporting actor because olive oil just like is homies with everyone you know we're, we're not trying to steal the show like if it's a good baguette and good olive oil or drizzle like those are both great things you know we'll talk about them both and olive oil is just like so diverse from the culinary perspective you can poach cod or do your sweet potatoes you know that you're just chopping up and making for yourself or you know, you can put it on your breakfast granola or your ice cream, or you can make your crispy egg. It's just like every diet, we kind of play in it all. It's the unifier. It's the glue. When you had the idea, did you like, did you feel like the market and opportunity was big enough 
or or were you thinking about the olive oil as like a launching um I mean, by the way these are like random questions that are just yeah. popping in mind yeah it's cool i mean the market cap is big enough right uh uh if you go and like do like your amazon analyses of like you know it, it, it's still like has a I mean, there's it's super fragmented and saturated, but the velocity at which people purchase it is pretty high, um, which is good. It'd be like starting a ketchup company, You're like oh, like Heinz, Hunts. Well, it's like, well, I don't know, like people still buy a lot of ketchup, you know. Um, and uh, I think that every single new entrant goes after the upper tier of the socioeconomic uh pyramid when it comes to olive oil and like no one goes after the middle and like we went after the middle like we're not going to preach affordability but we're definitely not lux in any case you know like we are made to be used every single day by a pretty significant size of the population um and and yet uh we saw the opportunity to like cut straight through the middle you know yeah, I think it's cool. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like everybody that wants to launch a brand wants to be viewed as like the top, top shelf option in that space or like the most, uh, yeah, I guess top shelf. You could be the most coveted, even if your price point's not the highest, which I think that like might even be cooler that like you make something that that many people can experience and like, uh, be involved with and still find that much value in it without having to pay yeah yeah i mean pretty easy for us to price compare we don't do it yet but like you get 1.25 liters two products with two separate functions from us for the same price that you get 375 ml from our competitors you know like it's 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 crazy um and that was very intentional this does not, you know, like someone needs to make the next yellowtail wine, you know, like we all can't afford $34 bottles of natural wine as much as I love them. Like I live here in New York and Crown Heights and like, it's still a stretch for us, you know, to, to, to take a swing on that. Um, and olive oil is a different one even because you don't drink it in like one session. It, even if it's 15 bucks, like, amortized over all the times you squeeze that damn bottle it's actually not that much but it's hard to communicate about price we had a hard time at magic spoon too it's like is it price per serving is it per box like you know per ounce eggs 15 years ago were 99 cents a dozen at dairy barn now vital farms is public and crushing it you know it's like it's it's hard it's hard how uh how did you actually like start working on the brand when you knew that you were gonna like take a swing at going out and launching it? I mean, obviously you had like pretty strong connections in the D2C world. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Gander built Magic Spoon, they built Bonza, they built Gotham Greens, they built Misfit Foods, now Phil's Finest. So like we uh, interviewed, I'd say 35 different branding agencies, uh, different price bands. And uh, I don't know, it felt good to work with people that you kind of just knew and trusted 
um, and they were keen on becoming investors in the business. Um, and we were keen on that type of relationship also, obviously, because cash is king uh, that early on. So, so yeah, we worked with, we worked with them on everything. And did you end up raising money before, like even before that stage, I'm guessing? We didn't raise money before that stage, actually. Um, it was very much like, if you can help us bring this to life, uh, we, will, we will probably raise money. We're definitely like speaking to investors, but we did raise money pre-launch for sure. And how did you go about developing the product? I know you said your wife's from Spain and you had obviously spent time in Spain. Took a really long time. Um, took like a good two years um, because there's a reason we're the first and only in a, in a squeeze bottle, you know, in a patented squeeze bottle, like that takes time. Archaic industries don't want to like switch and innovate. You know, olive oil is going to sell no matter what. Um, a lot of the people don't care what brand, what farmer doesn't really care what brand it's selling to. He just cares that it's selling, you know? Um, took a lot of time and a lot of iteration and like definitely a good amount of material design, material engineering, mechanical engineering, like everything. We had, we had everyone attacking from all angles. The actual uh farms and the supply like that was all you know going to visit like getting in a car and for three weeks driving all around Andalusia and visiting every single co-op bunch of private facilities and and hashing out pricing and quality and tasting a lot of oil and then flying out to the California Olive Oil Council and like showing them progress and doing the tasting with them learning how to how a master miller an oleologist looks at olive oil and yeah there's a lot Definitely worth yeah. it. That I sounds like, like a, a fun, uh, I mean, at least like the driving around, going to different farms, like, uh, yeah, that's like a, such a cool way to work on a new brand. It is fun. It'd be more, it's more fun when you get paid to do it, but. Uh, <laughs> but um, Did you have a job? Did you have a full-time gig still while you were? like starting to work on all this stuff before you raised money or did you just fund it yourself for the first bit? Yeah. I mean, I was working at the farmer's market just for like rent money, I'd say. Um, but outside of that, it was all just scraping it together, you know? Yeah. I mean, scary, like wild time when you're working on, something like that and you also like don't really know the outcome at that point not having a product i'm like also just imagining so i mean I same is now right like got so much hype so much you know early revenue but like what is what does someone in this position do after and you got to start another company you know that's like the the emotional side of being entrepreneur is so hard it's like such an easy community to attack. I'm like, oh, you're an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur, you start coming, you raise money. But like, we all have like an underlying deep imposter syndrome and fear of what we would do next. I could, I could rattle off 10 exited 
founders that I've met in the past two years that have no idea what they're going to do next. And it's tough. It's tough. Do you, uh, do you think about that already now? Like, even though you're at the, like, seemingly earliest stages still? I don't think about what I'm going to do next. I think about, like, I, I live with a neurotic nature of the rug is going to get pulled out from under us and how can I prevent that? That's like every single day. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I wish that was like uh, not the case for, for at least like a, I think I lost your audio for a second. Oh, sorry. It's all right. You're back. It might have just been on my. Right. Uh, how how did you think about launching the brand? Like after you had the product, at that point you had probably gone out and raised some money with like the brand and product developed, and then yeah, I'm curious, especially knowing your background, like working with such uh, prevalent startups and having been part of big like successful launch and scaling processes in your past yeah i you know i feel like my past experience actually wasn't that relevant because uh you know like magic spoon was getting like crazy roas on ad spend while i was there and like by the time i left casper they were getting crushed by affiliates and like just it was so predatory you know um so um i actually just like feel like i had a bunch of what i don't want to do yet and what i knew that we wanted to do was get our product in the hands of a lot of uh culinary content creators and um we all operate like right now every decision we make the lens that we look through is like does that make us seem like we're everywhere um that's like our marketing uh, thesis, I think. Um, and uh, and yeah, like we started we started seeding uh, four weeks pre-launch, and it wasn't like some cohesive strategy. Just like all we had, like we hand bottled them in our office. You know, we didn't have enough to. Um, but we knew it. Like if you, if we knew what was in the bottle was amazing. Like we knew our oil stood up. You know, if we could just get people to open the bottle and smell it, um, like we knew, we knew they were going to like it and, and, and smell and taste the difference. And we knew that once our website went live, the vibe that our uh, landing page video gave off uh, was going to like seal the deal if people went there. We weren't thinking about how um, we're going to drive people to our site as much as uh, the people that do get there are surely going to love this and like let's enable them to share. Um, I could see that working against us, you know, in, in many ways, but it didn't in this situation. Um, and I don't know, I mean, we got traffic from like the most obscure, you know, <laughs> origins, like all the design websites, site-inspired typography websites, like all the craziest shit you can think of drove traffic. My LinkedIn, like me just going out and posting on my LinkedIn drove a shit ton of traffic. I don't know how. Um, and we have PR. 
like we pay for a PR agency and it's great. Is that like the main thing that you outsourced at that point? And then everything else was just like getting it into people's hands that you thought would pay like, like the product and be spread, spread the word to their communities that also most likely would. Yeah. Like we, we, we haven't run paid ad. We haven't run any paid influencer. We haven't uh, done any email marketing, like nothing. Zero. It's been earned media. Like sometimes I don't even know that they're getting a commission, but it seems like there is no such thing as like, just like authentic coverage anymore. (laughs) Like even when you didn't, even when you didn't think 10% commission, they do, but I don't know. My, my, my co-founder Alan taught me that like commission is like maybe one of the better checks to cut always, you know, and, uh, I mean, the write-ups that we get are incredible because people are trying the product and and in some instances, like, shitting on pieces of it, which makes me feel so good. I'm like, yeah, they're, they're, they're really being real with us, you know? Uh, how, uh, how are you guys thinking about scaling it? Or is your focus still purely on, like, community building and uh, making it feel like you are everywhere? It's funny because that's like such a straightforward idea. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. Just send shit, send yeah. shit to people that most likely will tell other people. Yeah. Um, scaling our marketing uh, channel. Uh, like we, we had our first like brand kind of like retrospective yesterday. So I don't necessarily, sorry, I got to switch rooms. I'm going to put myself on mute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All good. I'm back. Um, I don't know how we're going to scale our, our, our like marketing channels necessarily, uh, yet, uh, it depends on how quickly we go into retail and how many resources we throw at driving velocity in retail. Um, but, uh, guys trying to feel out right now, like if it's going to be heavier retail, uh, Definitely going to be heavy retail. Yeah, I figured it. Yeah. With, Who buys alcohol online? I've never done it. You know, I have, but I'm. I think I'm like like you're pretty into olive oil. I'm weird, like our customers are. You know. Like, <laughs> um, Do you view the direct to consumer channel more as marketing then, and and uh, like? gaining traction in the early days in order to scale in retail? Um, yeah, I mean, crazy not to, in a sense. I don't view it as marketing. I, I do, oh, it sucks. Cause when people say like their job is storytelling, I'm just like, oh, come on, you know? Like, tell me, tell me like where your job really is. But I do view our digital platform as a place to tell a story. Um, place to communicate 
And if what you're communicating sucks, then no one is going to interact with it, no matter how hard you try to get them to. So for, for me, our digital platforms are just a place to communicate interesting things like the pancake recipe that we put on our website the other day, to me is cool. Like it's corn, bread, X pancakes with sizzle and drizzle and an emulsified maple drizzle. Like that's good information. And where else are we gonna disseminate that except digitally? Uh, so if that drives sales and like you, it links back from our blog to the product pages, like, yeah, I'm sure like a UX designer would be happy with that interaction. Uh, I, I, I surely am. But uh, yeah, I think, I think we'll, always, we'll always use our online platform and our social to, to engage with people. Um, I don't know, I used to hate using Instagram and, and like deleted my personal one, but I'm not gonna lie, the Graz Instagram is pretty fun. Like we, our, our DMs are crazy. People are, people love cooking. They love olive oil and we just slip right in, you know? Um, the barriers to like interacting with us are so low. You just pick it up and damn squeeze it, you know? you guys have any background in like food and beverage retail or like distribution type? My, my co-founder has a ton of retail experience, but in apparel. Um, so not exactly the same, obviously like that when, when that's why when like food startups get criticized, I, I, I'm like, that is so short-sighted because for small companies to free fill into like, massive retailers and give them all a free case just to get involved like that's serious cash you know um so so it's a war for sure actually cut can can we cut that out because i should not be referencing the word war right now that's 100 percent yeah that's yeah. messed up 100 so percent yeah okay. anything you want to cut out we can cut out just that like i feel terrible for using that word um but it's difficult is what I should say. What do you, uh, when you say that, uh, you know, like giving free cases to big retailers is such like a drag on cash for a startup, you guys are just going about it in a different way, like targeting different types of retail in the beginning? Um, I mean, I will say that like some big national players have offered to to buy the first case and that definitely sets them apart for us as like a potentially exclusive partner um one that like we would use our marketing prowess uh to to drive purchase there so as those offers come in we definitely take them seriously um we have fulfilled 60 stockists already um and most are waiting for for restock uh we'll definitely get to a breaking point where we can't like manage it all internally uh but but uh and we'll have to organize around it more but right now it's definitely like say yes you know to, to as much as we can looking back since you've launched the brand 
uh, is there anything that you would have like done differently or given yourself advice on? I know it's like still so early and you're in like a phase of figuring out the path forward, which I guess you always are. Yeah. Um, hmm. I probably would have taken like a crash course on what like vanity metrics are in marketing, um, like likes and likes and, and versus like actual metrics that matter um, and, and made sure that like I wasn't obsessing over the wrong things. Um, what do you feel like most people obsess over that doesn't matter to you now? Also kind of surprising that you wouldn't have that crash course from your background or maybe things it's change. Different when, it's different when it's yours, you know? Yeah. Um, um, I don't know, like impressions, I feel like matter less like than conversion rate, you know, and, and, and optimizing for what's working. Um, the amount of likes or the quantity of posts on our social channels are obviously much less important, much less important than engagement um, and shares and saves and downloads. Um, so, so yeah, and I also think that. I would have desensitized myself a bit to um, paying for content in a sense uh, that we can like really express our vision um, rather than just being happy about UGC because UGC is king, but like it's UGC, is it your brand? You know, is it, is it, is it what you're trying to put out into the world? And I think like controlling that balance um, rather than just trying to like get, like celebrate and get as much UGC as possible, you know? Yeah. And you mean like pay, you're uh, paying for, paying for content or you're not paying for content and maybe next time you like would have been more open to actually like investing the time and energy into creating your own content versus just being so stoked on. Yeah, exactly. Anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also probably a hard balance in the beginning when you're trying to like conserve cash and yeah. Also like you want people to be hyped on what you're putting out. Yeah. 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 I mean this would be a lot easier with you know ten million dollars in the bank for sure. Yeah. Uh what uh what's next in terms of like you said you made your first full-time hire i think yesterday mm -hmm. what uh what's next for you like immediately on the horizon being like in such early stages after launch um i typically probably ask you like further in the future but i feel like you're so in the moment of launching that you're like finding the path forward throughout the process uh we're definitely gonna like 
pick the right regional partner, I think, and make, make sure it works and support it as much as we can, can afford to. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff coming up the pipe. Honestly, what's next is making sure it all happens. Um, we have like great collabs. We sell into a bunch of really great restaurants in bulk um, and figuring out a way to tell that story and celebrate those partnerships is, is on the horizon. Um, we have events coming is new, up. Is like all of your new product development type stuff, is that centered around collaborations? No, all of our new products are centered around all of them, but not around collaborations, I'd say. Um, are you going to do like line extensions off of and just like keep expanding within the olive oil? Uh, we won't, not like flavored olive oil. Uh, I'm not a fan of flavored olive oil, to be honest. I shouldn't say that because maybe we'll launch like a <laughs> but like I'm not a fan of infused olive oil. I'm just going to go out and say it. Um, um, I mean, form factors, different olive oil derived deliciousness, maybe like some F you to the world of food, what they would expect from us kind of launches. Like, I cannot believe that company just did that. Um, I can tell you it won't be like candles and stuff like that. You know? uh, we'll, we'll always make sure you can eat it. Well, I haven't tried the product yet, but I've, uh, I feel like I saw the brand maybe even before it launched and love what, love what you're building so far. And I also feel like I've seen it. Uh, it's felt like it's been everywhere. That Just is. Like retail stores, like smaller retail stores posting. Uh, yeah. yeah. Design people posting. I think I, I saw it on site inspire, uh, maybe on like, uh, type wolf. Is that one? That, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know where else I've seen it so far. But I think when I first saw it, I was like, oh, damn, like how long have has this company been around? And then I realized that it hadn't even launched yet. Yeah, it's been six and a half weeks. It's crazy. Yeah, that's wild. Right. Well, it's fun to talk. I, uh, yeah, thanks so much for doing it. Receive, 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 receive.